the, the career or the business problem in big inverted commas is nothing more than the context that that person has behaved their unconscious patterns within. And for a lot of people, it may well be about recognizing that that in itself is not the reality. That's not causing you to be stuck. I'm stuck in this job because I have to pay my mortgage. Hi, my name is Vindya V. This is Art of the Extraordinary, the podcast for those of you who's ready to play a much bigger game and leave an extraordinary legacy behind. I'm glad you're here and it's time to make your quantum leap. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I hope you are doing great no matter which part of the world that you're listening to this podcast from. Now today, my special guest is Laurie Skander. He is a psychologist and he's been a psychologist for 35 years. He's a sociologist, a speaker, a corporate and a community consultant and an author. And also he's an educator who has been invited to speak and work with countless organizations, companies and community forums. Laurie is one of Australia's leading mind shift experts with a unique ability for helping people release the mental and emotional obstacles that block them from achieving their very best in life and business. The impact of his work has spanned across many countries and continents and continues to grow. Laurie is driven by the belief that each of us has the will and the right to live a life fulfilled, doing what we love and making a difference in our own life and the lives of our families and those in any communities that we touch. Now, as you can tell, this is going to be a very, very different episode to the ones that we have had so far. I am very excited to have Laurie. He, I've known him for a while. He is also a friend of mine. You are in for a treat. You're going to get a lot of stuff that you probably haven't even heard and you will get some things that you can go and apply right away in this episode. He has changed thousands of lives. I know how powerful his work is. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into our interview. I'm currently, as somebody put it to me a few weeks ago, about to enter my third trimester of life and looking forward to it. And I guess that means that I should have heaps and heaps of story behind me, and I think I do. So who am I in essence? At the moment, I'm, I'll work backwards. I'm, I'm a guy who's, uh, in the last few years, has gone through a little bit of a, an awakening and a rebirth of who I am, what I'm doing, how I'm making a difference in the world and for myself. And I think that's a, a big part of what I'm experiencing with people that I come across, particularly around my age group. Uh, having come from having a, a really successful business, uh, I've still got, and I will maintain, a, a, a beautiful, successful marriage. We've been together 35 years or so, two great young men, our, our, our kids, um, in their mid-late 20s. And I've gone through this whole thing of, you know, we've had a financial crisis. Um, in our lives, we've had some emotional upheaval over the last eight to 10 years. We've had some financial upheaval, and business has essentially uh, been impacted. So it's been a little bit of a journey to work my way through that and rather than thinking about how do I get things back to the way they were the awakening for me is it's time to actually build anew with my old head and my old experiences as my foundation stones. I, I am a, a psychologist been practicing psychologist for about 35 
years or so, actually about that time. And a lot of the work that I, I have done and I do, I used to do a lot of work in the corporate world, have my own consultancy for about 25 of those years. Um, I've worked in and out of the, the corporate sector, multinationals, and in my own business, uh, consulted back to them and consulted to a number of uh, the larger uh, government departments running a lot of the, the very intensive leadership development work. Um, but of late, a lot of the work I'm doing is more within the community, people who may well work in those organisations but have recognised that they want to step up into the, what I call their own personal power and they come across the blockages that I guess in my own life I've also experienced and they, they need someone to journey with them and that's a lot of what I'm doing with people these days. One of the things that uh, that keeps coming up uh, in our conversations as well, oh, yes, uh, for for our viewers, just a, a little bit of backstory. So <laughs> I know Laurie from before this interview. Like we know each other. We talk a lot. We know about each other as well, right? So and we're not I'm telling trying to... all those stories, are we? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Probably not. Well, we'll try to, you know, share as much as we can um, as long as it, it, it helps uh, our audience today. Um, so one of the things that keeps coming up is that you have a passion to help people rediscover their steps into being in their full potential and discovering that and being in their personal power. Why is that important to you? Um, I guess if, if I look at it from my own life experience, let alone you know, the work I'm doing with people, one of the things that I know I've been bumping up against, and I do experience this with, with a number of people as well, is, you know, I, I talk about the wake-up call that, that a lot of people have where, you know, you wake up one day and it's like, you know, I've done the career thing, I've done the business thing successfully or otherwise, I've done the relationship thing successfully or otherwise, and I've been blessed with success there um, and happiness in that. You know, I've bought the toys, I've lost the toys, made the money, lost the money. And then there's this realisation of, but what have I really got to show for my life? I'm, I'm not feeling fulfilled. I'm not feeling like I'm on purpose doing what I really love and transacting. And I'm really not sure that whatever I'm doing is making a difference that just satisfies me. And so there's this longing. And, and I, I looked at that. And over many years, I've come to an awareness that, you know, a lot of us, and I know I have, you know, we, we play small, we play safe, we play within our own self-limiting beliefs as to who we think we are. And there's a deep craving in so many people that says, there's more to me, and, and how on earth do I step up into this um, and, and go through the, the fear and anxiety of, what if I fail? What if I'm not good enough? Well, that's just nothing more than a belief. And that's the personal power step up that I'm finding more and more people are getting to that point of awakening. And then they're either absolutely scared of what do I do now, or they're confused, or they simply don't know what to do from there. And they just need to, to have some help along the way, some coaching, some mentoring, some guidance. So that's what I mean by about personal power. Um, you've heard me say many times, you know, for me, the, the, the flip side of not playing small doesn't mean we have to play big in life. In fact, that's daunting. But it does mean that maybe we can play more significantly, more purposefully. And that's the, that's the shift that I keep talking about. That's the stepping up into your power. Mm. Making some sense? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something yeah. that I really um, like hearing when you say it, I, I think I've heard you saying it, or maybe I'm just imagining, don't know which one it is, is that significance is a choice. Can you speak to that or am I imagining it? No, no, well, I think you and I have in, in different ways over, over yes. our connections, you know, spoke, spoken around that, well, and directly to it. Yeah, it, it is an absolute choice. Um, you know, let, let, let's, let's just come back to some fundamentals. What is, what is the experience of playing safe or small? Um, for most people, we'll all have our own version of this story. Oh, um, I'm not smart enough to do any more than what I'm doing now, so I'll just keep at it. I guess I'll have to be happy with my lot. There's an example of playing safe. You know, that's a story that a version of which may resonate with some of the people listening in. I know it does with a lot of my clients and a lot of people I bump into. And it may sound like, I, I, I know I really want to achieve so much more, but really I'm getting a bit too old for that. I'm playing safe again. I'm playing within my self-limiting beliefs. So this thing of significance is really fascinating because what actually happens is that there's a feeling of lack a feeling of there's something missing in my life, in how I am creating whatever I'm creating. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not achieving what I really want. I'm just achieving what I believe I'm capable of. And the difference between those two positions is huge. I think that's the key. Uh, as you know, I, I spend a lot of time with people just setting their, their direction and their goals and their intentions. And one of the things I ask them is, is you know, are you setting your focus on what you believe you're able to do or what you truly want to do. And they look at me strangely and there's a part of them that doesn't quite know how to answer because they actually know that the answer is, oh, I'm still playing safe. So it's about how much of that sense of not enough do you want to keep living with? You know, and not everyone gets to the point where they want to do something about it. You know, this is not a, a journey for everyone. It's, it's easy to say everyone has this capacity, but not everyone gets to this point of awakening. But when you do, and when I have, then you really start focusing on what is in my way because I know that there's a journey ahead of me and that's critical to actually work with someone to help you work that through. This actually reminds me of a um, about a conversation I had a few months ago with a a girl. I don't know whether I told you this story. It, basically, I was having conversations, and you know, she was pretty unhappy with what she was doing in the job, and she was just miserable as. So mm. I started kind of you know tapping into you know the kind of work you do, and you know tapping into you know figuring out what she wants to do, and you know what does she really feel passionate about. And so we had one session, and she. Yeah, you know, it, it felt like, you know, she was really trying to tap into what she's really meant to be doing. And then we had a second session and then she was like, oh, my God, I felt horrible after the first session. I was like, wait, what? That makes <laughs> no sense. She's like, yeah, you got me to think all these, you know, you gave me hope and you got me to think all these uh, things that I could possibly be doing. And I feel horrible. I was like, wait, hang on. How does that make you feel horrible? To see that from the culture that she comes from, she's been conditioned to think that if you hope 
or if you wanted something more than you already have, that's a bad thing. That's a negative thing. Yeah. So she has all these goals and dreams, but she's just been putting them in like a pressurized box and just keeping it there. And she yeah. just sh- shut the lid. That's it. I think a lot of people do that. A lot of people do. And it sounds like, uh, you know, in, in her example, this might not be the right words for her, but it sounds like what she's got is a whole lot of limiting belief that's that's almost about uh, I've been brought up to feel and believe that I'm not entitled to all of this. Like, it's wrong. So, you know, this is this whole thing about, think about it this way. When we're born, we're born with no beliefs, zero beliefs. Um, we have some instinct, you know, usually around what, what are the two main things that, that we fear um, uh, when we're born? Usually people say it's loud noises. So a baby will respond to a loud noise in a startled way. Um, and a fear of heights. So you put a baby on this sort of glass top over a, uh, an abyss and they, they don't want to go on it. Although there's even research to suggest it's just the loud noise. So how have we developed all these beliefs? And it's the way we've been brought up. We've been conditioned, as you say. But the weird thing that happens, our beliefs and our filters make us believe that they are right. Therefore, until we consciously want to challenge them because we're realizing that, hey, I'm limiting myself in my life or I'm not getting the outcomes I want in my life, we spend most of our waking days and some would even say our sleep time trying to justify and validate those beliefs. They're actually a whole lot of BS. As you know, there's a colleague of ours who you know, talk about BS, that's a belief system. Mm. But they are BS. We've just learnt them. So you and I can quite consciously say, hey, you know, you believing that you're not entitled to all these great goals, um, that just can't be right. But there's an unconscious part of her brain that's saying, well, it actually is absolutely right because that's the way I have lived and kept you, you safe for whatever age she is, whatever years. So these are beliefs that we've developed, usually in our first five to ten years of life. And then we live our life almost unconsciously. 95% plus of our behaviours, of what we do, what we think, happens unconsciously because the brain wants to conserve energy. Why keep thinking hard about something when I've kept you safe by limiting you all this time? And that's the weird game that when people confront themselves with that, they go, oh, my God, um, no, no, enough's enough. I need to work this through and, and get out of this way of thinking, develop a more empowering set of beliefs. And that's where this lady will need to get to. So no surprise that she felt terrible because what you've done with her is you've raised, you've created dissonance for her. You've created um, like an internal chaos between what the two of you consciously spoke about, you brought to her awareness, and the unconscious belief that says, but no, I'm not entitled or I'm not worthy or I'm not able to have all these things. So now I've got chaos. What do I do with it? Most people shut down and just keep on doing what they've always done. Mm. I think this is, uh, this is one of those cases because a, a actually a lot of people that I work with would, when they come to that point, they would either like usually open up to think, oh, oh my God, this is amazing. Like this is all the things that I can do. That is so amazing. But this is a case where, you know what, no, I'm going to shut down. 
and yeah. uh, I, I just don't even want to be told uh, or I, I don't even want to realize what what is possible for me and it's sort of sad from you know from where I look but you know it, it's a journey that some people are on. It's a journey that I think all of us are on <laughs> it's just a matter of how sharply the, the the more empowering messages keep flying into our face so for you for example putting this into this lady's face in your conversation really brought up the resistance and, and and come back to a little bit of it and again you and i know this and we've talked a lot about it um, our mind our brain is designed to primarily prioritize two things in our life and it's very primal it, it goes way back to the days when we were running around you know in caves and chasing wild beasts you know uh, and the first thing is it's designed to keep itself alive just for survival so why would it do anything that threatens its survival? Why would it in, incur pain? Now, in this day and age, we don't have to run away from the saber-toothed tiger or a big grizzly bear, but we have emotional pain. We have emotional and financial pain. We have mental anguish. And the brain's going, um, you know, I, pain is not good for my survival. So I'm going to do something that keeps you relatively free of that pain. Let's not take that new risk. Let's not take that new opportunity. Because if you fail, or even if you succeed, the pain and the anguish, if something went wrong, went differently, I won't allow you to have because it's threatening my survival. The other thing the brain does is it's brilliant at energy conservation. So over 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however old the person is, You've gone down the same patterns of behavior. Yeah, you know, you, you, you hear people who have repeated the same relationship mistakes, the same business mistakes. It's like the pattern goes on. Everyone else can see it except them. But the brain has automated, said, I've kept you safe. We've gone down this pathway many times. Rather than making you work hard to develop new beliefs, let me just automate that and put it into your subconscious so you react in a nanosecond. So whenever you put something consciously that challenges that, in a nanosecond, every year of that person's life comes in like a tsunami going, whoa, no, I need to keep you safe and I don't want to spend the energy developing a new belief right now because I want to keep us safe and energy efficient. So let's just keep doing the same old, same old. So this is where people do the big seminars and they go to these motivational things and they go away, rah, rah, feeling fantastic. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to make a fortune. I'm going to have this business. And then maybe a few hours later, that dwindles down. Maybe a few days later, that dwindles down. Maybe weeks and months later. And what happens is the brain goes, no, 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 we don't really want you doing all that because it's not safe. And this is where people need to make some very clear choices about how much of that do they want to move away from. And as you know, that's that's a lot of the work I do with people is taking them on that journey. It's their journey, but you know, I always say it's your journey alone, but do not journey alone. You know, if you knew how to do it differently, you'd be doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. one thing that uh, you touched before was that um, you know you you've seen a lot of people and you work with a lot of people who has you know done all the work that they possibly could and bought everything, houses, cars, you name it, and have all mm -hmm. the money, and then towards the you know, like, and maybe even after retirement, they go, well, 
hang on, I don't have anything to show for it. And I'm not even happy. I don't even know what I did, right? Now, one of the one of the things that I uh, work with uh, with my clients is that um, they are mostly in, you know, like, you know, high level careers or businesses and they're not in that stage. And age wise, they're not at that stage, but they are very starting early on. And it is very tricky for somebody like that to get to think about you know okay what fulfills you because a lot of people are going at at it oh yeah i need to make the money mindset right Mm -hmm. and and i i think we are generationally we are becoming more and more conscious of the fact wait hang on let's not make the same mistakes that that the previous generations have made let's be a little bit more conscious of it but at the same time people are hit with the reality oh wait i still gotta pay the bills i still gotta pay the mortgage i still gotta take care of my kids so at that point a lot of people go oh wait no you know what i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing and he pretty much end up in the same place so how would you go about advising or working with somebody like that who yes they understand they are in a miserable state but these other things are in their way that oh they're telling themselves that it's in their way that that they can't do anything about it and it's not about fulfillment it's about having the material things yeah it's it's and it's not just an age thing either you know that that applies to so many um you know age groups of people but uh, to, to before i get that two things one is I think you're quite right. Uh, there is a, 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 you know, a generation of my kids' age group. Uh, what your, your your age group? What what are you doing? Thirties. You don't want to tell me. No, yeah, I'm not going to tell you age now. I know what it is. Yeah. So look, I, I'm you know the tail end of the baby boomers. Remember, I'm the one who was told I'm about to enter my third trimester. <laughs> you know. Yes. Fascinating. But anyway, we got to have so another my kids age. <laughs> I, I am finding something interesting. I used to think that the people I, I best work with are generally in their late 40s, early 50s and above where life has beaten them around a little bit and then they have these wake-up calls, yeah? It's like I've done all these things and then bang, what's going wrong? And then I've realised that I'm actually attracting and I'm finding a lot of younger people saying, no, no, I, I want this journey as well, but life hasn't done the same beating them up yet. Maybe a little bit. Right? So I'm generalising here, obviously. And, and I think you're right. What's happening is that younger generations are looking at their parents, their significant, uh, I'll use the, 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 the loose term of elders in their life as they've grown up and going, my God, I, I don't want to wait until I'm your age before I work out what the hell I want in life and how I want to do life. I, I want this now. I don't want to be going through all the rubbish that you did and all the anxiety and depression and uncertainty I want this now and then they go on a journey but they don't have as much life experience that's belted them to go I've got to get away from this it's time for a shift but they are inspired by what they might want to work towards and I think the mentality is a bit different so how do they 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 deal with the fact that they then get hit by oh yeah but I'm wanting to buy a house I'm in a relationship, so maybe we've got kids or I've got a car I want to do, I want holidays, I've got money, I've got to work, I've got to do these things, and but I want all this other stuff. So a few things to recognise. Where did that whole pattern come from? From the very same people that they've looked at and said, I don't want to be like you. Because they learnt this stuff 
their story. You're hearing a lot of people these days talk about what's your money story. It's simply about what are your whole beliefs around money, around relationships, around you and work, whatever it might be. And usually they're negative. Mm. So because they've not necessarily had as much life experience challenge them with those stories, what these people have to start doing is work towards not, you know, I can't do what I want because I've got all these other commitments of a mortgage of, you know, have to earn money and pay the bills. But it's like, I want this. How can I have this whilst I'm taking care of those other realities in my life? Because the realities are you do need food to eat, to live. So you have to find money to buy food. You can't just manifest it out of thin air. <laughs> no. yeah, we Sorry, manifest is listening, but manifestation is fantasy unless you activate something to, to make it happen. But I think that the key is that if someone, regardless of age, is serious enough about stepping up into what I call their personal power and saying, hey, you know, I need I need a new I need a new map around how I transact this world. I need a new set of beliefs. I talk about highways, byways, and goat tracks. So the belief bases that are so unconscious are these really well, well-driven highways. We can drive them automatically. You don't even need to think about it. Someone puts a great opportunity in front of you and your go-to is, yeah, I'll just limit myself. And that happens in a nanosecond. Rather than, why don't you jump on and take the risk? Oh, that needs energy. So that's a new goat track. That's a track that we haven't really gone down yet. So that's where you have to take some deliberate and maybe awkward stepping stones along that track. Because if it was natural for you, you'd already be doing it. This is learning. It's almost like we're having to do what our brain did when we were babies to little kids, develop new pathways and using it. That's why babies sleep so much, because they're in their first five to seven years, kids sleep so much, they're they're using a lot of mental energy to work out their beliefs about how to be in life. They're developing their map of how to exist. This is about, can I develop a new map that takes into account some of the existing highways that have already served me? Does, does that metaphor make some sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's about having both rather than one or the other. It's how can I work towards what I want, recognizing that I also have a job I'm earning money, I have some commitments, I have some ambitions. And whereas for a lot of older people, it was not, we're stuck in the job, we're stuck in the relationship, we're stuck in the money pit trap, you know, beholden to the banks. I won't go down that path. A lot of people would say, but that's truth. <laughs> but we make it truth by having a strong belief around it. So this is not getting rid of those beliefs, this is developing new and more life-empowering beliefs so that you then have choice. Well, if I have the choice of going down a pattern that I've developed, and, and it can take, you know, this is, what, what are our behaviours? They're beliefs that we have put into action and those actions have been repeated so they become habits and habits are unconscious and we demonstrate them in our behaviour. So we're learning new ones. And it can take, in some cases, you know, six to 12 months to develop a new pattern until it becomes more automatic for you. And that's the journey that people uh, need to be prepared to take. 
It's not go do a seminar and suddenly it'll change your life. a lot about this topic and it's just so fulfilling because I think this is the basis of the work that we do as well um, and a lot of people you know become very surprised when they when they hear the the other sides of the um, the type of coaching that you do because a lot of people think that when they have a problem in their career or problem in their business that it's actually a business or a career problem but mm -hmm. you and I both know that that it's something much more bigger and it's it's got to have a more holistic approach. Otherwise, it's going to be like a putting on a Band-Aid, right? Very much. I mean, the, the career or the business problem in big inverted commas is nothing more than the context that that person has behaved their unconscious patterns within. Oh, there's a, that's an interesting sentence. Um, <laughs> like that, but you, you know what I'm saying? You know? yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a context. Yeah. Um, and for a lot of people, it may well be about recognizing that that in itself is not the reality. That's not causing you to be stuck. I'm stuck in this job because I have to pay my mortgage. No, um, I'm feeling that I need to do something more in my life, but I'm stuck with my self-limiting beliefs that says I, I have to keep doing what I'm not enjoying. Otherwise, I can't eat. Yeah, so it's just context. Mm. Well, let's just say um, there is a, somebody who's, you know, listened to what we're talking about right now and they haven't got that wake-up call yet, but they're keen to um, kind of know more about it and, and they just want to know, okay, I wonder how do I reach that level or how do I get that? Is there something that people can do to get to that awakening? Um, I think I think there's a, a lot that people can do, but the first thing is recognizing, uh, you know, this this is really critical. They cannot do it necessarily on their own. They do need support, guidance, coaching, mentoring, whatever. I'm not necessarily saying go and employ a coach. You know, it might be you've got a family member who's just you know able to help guide you through this. And the reason I say that they need to do this with someone's support balanced with some challenge to take them out of their normal belief-based comfort zone is that old story. If they're recognizing that they want something different in their lives, they want something more, more fulfilling. There's, a, there's an old adage in this whole personal development world. It's actually quite old. Some people think it's a new way of thinking. It's not. Um, everything you know and have done so far won't get you any further towards that Otherwise, we already would have. Mm. I think that's a really important point. Everything that you know and have done so far won't get you towards your ambitions and goals. Otherwise, it already would have. So what does that mean? That means you either need to learn some new things or put what you do know into practice in a very different way. And if you knew how to do that, and when I say new, I don't necessarily mean have the awareness and knowledge. It might be have the have the emotional um, sense of safety to do it as well, going out of your comfort zone. So the first thing is, I think, people recognising you know, that the world is full of you know, networks love talking about the big why. But the big why has a reason. What's the purpose? Why do you want more? What, what purpose does it serve for you to break out of what you're doing now? What is inspiring you about 
being more, being better. You know, Dalai Lama says, what's wrong with you humans? You always want to achieve and strive things. Isn't it enough just to be a good person? And I think that's quite an interesting thing for people to consider when they're striving for more. But understand why. What is more in your life? What is different in your life? And the reason why becomes almost like the beacon that um, when all your self-limiting beliefs come in, and they will come in, flooding in like a tsunami, that you have a significant enough reason to say, this is why it's important I do it. Um, a, a teacher and a mentor of mine, John, John Asraf, often talks about uh, some of his life stories, and he talks about being confronted by this very, very powerful question by a mentor of his as he was growing up. So he was talking about goal setting and, and so on. And this fellow, his name was John Smith, I believe, it was a very you know, normal name, um, just challenged him and he was saying, so you've got these goals, you really want to achieve them. Are you interested in achieving these goals or are you committed? And then he went mm. on to say, if you're interested, you'll do whatever is convenient. If you're committed, in other words, your reason for it is strong enough, you'll do whatever it takes. I find that um, a very, very provocative and a, an empowering and challenging concept to sit with. For a lot of us, if we ask ourselves the question, you know, am I just interested in pursuing whatever it is I want to pursue in my life or am I committed? The difference being, am I doing what's convenient? And how do you know? You just look at your behavior. That's your simple measure. Mm. I want to achieve all these great things, but oh, well, now I'm, I'm spending time uh, going to all. I've, I've met people. Yes, I, I want to achieve this big business, so I'm going to all these network sessions. Oh, good. And what are you doing? Oh, I'm enjoying meeting people. What are you doing about you growing your business? I'm meeting all these people, but what are you doing about growing your business? Uh, I don't, I, I'm. I'm I'm uh, finding more Facebook uh, network groups and joining them. But what are you doing? <laughs> you know, so it's like you're doing what keeps you safe, what keeps you playing small, because it's kept you safe all this time. So why would your brain do otherwise? Yeah. I think it's really important that someone has the right resources around them. You need your reason why. It's got to be strong enough. And that changes, so it's not a constant in life. Like people talk about work to your passion. Well, I've got multi things I'm passionate about, not just one thing. Yes, I know it's easy to turn around and say, but if you boil a lot of your passions down, it's about making a difference in the world. That's a lovely high-level phrase. But, you know, we all have different passions in life, and our sense of passion and purpose shifts as we have life experience, and so it should. But know why it's important enough, and the reason will be very selfish as in for you for me it's what i want and yet why do a lot of people not even look at their their purpose because we also have a, a belief system unconscious that says oh it's wrong to think about just stuff for yourself you should be there for others be of service but it starts with being true to yourself so the inner truth is critical the next thing is to where you need to you need to develop the skills and the knowledge base that is, is lacking. So if you want to improve, you want to change things in your life, you need to find out about how to do that. Then you need to be with the right people. If you have a look at 
a lot of people that you, you, you're coaching perhaps and a lot of people I work with um, and, and coach, what keeps them safe is hanging around the people that are not going to challenge them to go that next step. You're going to give them good reasons. Oh, it's, well, it's a bit difficult. Take two aspirins and you'll get over it, you know. You know <laughs> it'll be okay. So there's the old thing of, you know, you are the, the, the average of the, uh, in terms of behaviour and mindset and wealth and so on, you are the average of the, the five people you spend most of your time with. And I used to laugh at that. And then I look at it and go, you know, it's, it's damn well true. Spend some time with people who will um, give you the right platform to challenge your belief base and start to not just challenge it, but develop some new ones because you're with people who are living a different way, being in a different way. And then have someone who can guide you through it. So I think there's some of the key steps. Have a, have a very clear focus as to why is this important for me? And it may well be because it means I don't have certain things happening in my life anymore that I've had enough of, or I will have things in my life that I haven't had yet and I really crave. It doesn't really matter which direction you come from. Know why it's important. Pick up the right skills, pick up the right resources where need be. Invest in yourself, in other words, to do that. You know, take the time. This is deliberate practice. You want to learn a new hobby, for example, you can't just sit there imagining the hobby. You need to learn about it. You need to maybe buy some or, or acquire some resources to do it. And then perhaps you need someone to help you learn how to put those resources into play. And I think that trilogy of things, the mindset about where it's important, the resources or the skills or the knowledge to give you the next stage, and then the people around you that will give you the challenge and support in balance and take you along that journey with you while you're doing it. That, I think, is the secret to it. And it takes time and it's worth it. And we all have time at the same time. So there's a lovely word that everyone's banding around these days, procrastination. So what is that thing called procrastination? It's an avoidance of something that you have, an unconscious usually, but not necessarily, fear of. So a lot of this is about recognising that your procrastination is actually your brain saying, I want to keep you safe, so, you know, I don't want you to be hurt here. I don't want you to fail and feel humiliated because that's painful and that's not good for my survival. I don't want you to feel anxious and stressed because this is too big a goal for you. See, a lot of people have these massive goals. One of the things I do is I, I talk to them about, let's break those goals right down to their minutiae until you're in your head and heart with a little bit of challenge. You need to find that sweet spot between um, being uncertain and fearful and being super excited. So let's get to that point where your brain goes, yeah, challenging, but I can do this. Mm. Most people's goal setting and, and focus in life is I want to change all these huge things in my life. And it sounds great when you're at the right motivational seminar until you get home and your so-called reality has just continued and you're back in it and you go, oh, I want to do all this, but I've got this reality. I think I'll just stay with my reality. 
So I think that the the need to actually get to that point, that find that sweet spot between fear and overexcitement is really critical. And one of the ways to do that is to have steps, next steps. You know, you and I often talk about next steps. A lot of people don't know where to start. They think mm. they have to take these big leaps. I want to become a multimillionaire. Great. What's your first step? Um, well, I can't do anything. I'm stuck in this job. I can't save more. Okay. And it, it might be, you might break that right down to, oh, okay. So every morning, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. This was their very thing. You know, they want, they want more wealth in their life so that they feel a bit freer. So what does every morning for them look like? They work in the city. They arrive in the city. They go to their favorite coffee shop. They buy a muffin and a coffee. And they sit and they have that. $10 a day by five days, 50 bucks a day, $200 a month, $2,400 a year. So if I said to them, would you like to save $2,400? Yeah, have your coffee at home and a nice breakfast. Now, it's a small step. Mm. And then they say, but I want to be this multimillionaire. So, okay, start with a step that your brain says, I can do that and still feel safe. Mm. Next steps are, are so, so critical. So you know, as, as you know, a lot of the, the sort of work that I do and the work that you're doing with people is around Let's get people down to this point where there's, there's momentum. And even if it's minor, tiny steps, what's happening in their head and heart is, hey, I'm at least making some progress rather than being stagnant and procrastinating. The next breath and the next step is more critical than the fear that's going to stop you. You just need to work through that next step that your brain says, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. Yes, I am. <laughs> you know? Rather than, oh, yeah, it sounds good, but as soon as you've got the but in your, in your head and heart, you and I know that person is not going to take that action. That's, that's really key that you mentioned that because this is actually uh, one of the things that I, uh, I've spoken to a few of my clients as well, which is about vision boarding. Vision boarding is very, very big and yes. people do retreats on vision boarding and you know how to do them. And um, I, I know some of my clients who've, who've been to like big retreats to do vision boarding and it's just so not right in the sense like a lot of these vision boards have these like visions that's that they have put down that is like 20 years away and my thing is that okay let's 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 not go that far let's let's get you some quick wins let's get your brain to think you are a winner let's get some small things down on the vision board and let's get you winning and then let's go for the big things because otherwise what happens is quite often when you look at your vision board you complete feel like a complete loser every day because it's mm. so far away. Yeah. And all that will do is reinforce the I'm a loser. Yes. Whatever exactly. their version of, of, you know, I'm not good enough is. However, I'll, I'll just add something to that, Vindia. Um, I actually do like the, the concept, well, not the, the practice of vision boarding, not necessarily mm. doing a physical one. It can be online, it can be virtual, something. The reason for that is that when you do the quick wins with somebody which is absolutely you know this is my version your version of that the quick wins my version is get get to the point where the brain says yes i can mm. i call it yik yes i can do that step when people see what that step is 
you know, maybe 20 steps up, apart from it, but where that step is aligned with the, the thing on the vision board, that actually drives a sense of purpose. So I think it's important from that point of view because it gives people, you know, I'm doing this small, I'm giving up, I'm giving up sitting down having this muffin and this coffee and, and, and spending 10 bucks a day because it's aligned with me having more cash flow, which is then aligned with me having the ability to purchase or own and buy or do these things that's on my vision board. So the reason drives it. And they need to understand the connection with the little micro steps with the bigger vision, because not if, but when the self-limiting beliefs, which are very unconscious, come streaming in in a nanosecond, the tsunami of, of limitation, that's the one thing that's going to help them go, no, but I can still take this small step because the brain has made a different, you're actually using a different part of your brain, you know, a, a more creative part of your brain when you're activating it that way. Mm. So this is about making sure that there's an alignment because what's happening is people setting up a vision board so without the steps down, you're setting something up that is misaligned with their unconscious beliefs. Any wonder people get stuck. Absolutely. But the steps become the little bridges between I've got this unconscious belief that says money's hard to come by. Uh, healthy relationships are not something that are good for me because, you know, I was brought up just to be the, you know, the one who's been used and abused by everybody, whatever it might be. We've all got, as I said, our version of those stories. Um, but when you have little steps that your brain has said, I can do those, then the self-sabotage comes in that it misaligned. You go, yeah, that's okay, but I can still deliberately decide conscious choice, not react due to my unconscious belief, consciously choose to just not have that coffee today. And that's today. Tomorrow's another day. Maybe I make that same choice again. The day after is another day. Maybe I make that same choice again. I can do that. But if it's about start making money, set up a business, that's just so big. The unconscious beliefs are going to win every single time. It's like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in our brain. You know, there's a, there's a part of our brain that's that nasty. So we're going to find the, you know, the reasons why not and get in the way. Then there's the creative genius part, you know, Mr. Hyde. And we need to be able to take control over both of them. That's, that's where the really beautiful work with people who are wanting to unleash that part of their, it's called the genius part of the brain. You need a clear goal to articulate. You need strategies to execute. You need to look at the habits that have dominated your life and go, hey, I need to develop some new ones in light of those that have dominated your life until this very decisive moment. Laurie, I would like to just keep you and, and talk for a lot long as we normally do. We never stick to our time. We always go over no, it. So I'm just going <laughs> to, we never know how to do that. But um, I just want to switch gears into um, speaking a little bit about uh, your journey and how things have been. Um, so you have had your own ups and downs um, in your career, personal life as well. What yeah. would you say is the best advice and the worst advice you've been given? Without really thinking too hard, let me just, just go with just my, my, my gut re reaction. Some of the best, maybe the advice isn't the right word, the best whatever the word is, yeah, mm -hmm. for me has been create moments 
where I can tune into myself and really listen to what's resonating. What I mean by that is take, take even do, like I do a lot of meditation, as you know, and I, I run a lot of meditation for people. And it's not about the woo-woo, let's be spiritual and, and be on a mountaintop for 30 days and, and see, see what we've done in the world. This is about creating inner calm so I can become more aware of what is feeling right and not right for me. So if you like, it's like following my instinct, following my gut, my intuition. That has been some of the best advice because when I think back over my life, the few times where I have literally acted in accordance with my intuition have in fact been life, to the extent, have been life-saving. Uh, okay, I, can, I won't go into them, but I can, because that's a big story. Uh, I can remember when I was a, a kid, I was probably eight, ten years old, I just had a gut feel that something wasn't right in a particular context I was in, and I just, I literally took myself out of it. Um, I probably wouldn't have been here today if I followed my conscious mind to go, no, I'm going to have fun with this and just see where it goes. I wouldn't have been here. I'd have been six foot under. So learning to take the time to tune into my, what resonates, I call it my intuition and instinct. The worst advice, son, get good results at school. Son, make sure that you get enough results to go to uni, get a good job, buy a house, pay it off. And the unspoken words there were, and then retire and die. Worst advice, to stay in a pattern that has been generational. How's that? <laughs> I think a lot of people <laughs> needed to hear that. <laughs> Both of them. Uh, now, yeah. I'll say that, by the way, um, with a proviso, with a condition, recognising that, that that was the way I was brought up, and I know a lot of us have been. It's almost like... And the intention was not to keep me closed in and, and, and small. It was to actually give me a good life as far as my parents were concerned. Absolutely. So the intention was different to the way I created a belief system around that. And that's been my battle and my challenge for decades, as I know a lot of others have got you know, in, their, in their own way. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's I think, the key thing to remember because every advice that we have been given, it came from a place of, I want to keep you safe and uh, I want to make sure that the best comes to you. Um, but, you know, the best way they, whoever gave you the advice, you know, the, the best thing that they thought was possible or the best that they thought they could yeah. give you. Oh, yes. I don't think for, for most people, uh, most of the time that is absolutely the case. It's, it's come from a, a, a space of, of love and positive intention. So this is the distinction between behavior and intention. If you could go back to the beginning of your journey, what would you change about how you did things? Uh, this sounds a bit philosophical. Absolutely nothing. But I'll tell you why. I know that when I'm with people, when I work with people, if I hadn't have been through my own turmoil and my own dealing with my own demons, if you like, like I had a happy childhood. It's not, it's not that I went through abuse or anything like that. You know, I had a good childhood, had a good family, still do, great family life. So all the turmoils that I went through <laughs> were self-inflicted, you know. 
and, and, and I got smarter at making bigger turmoils as I got older. However, what it's given me now, because I have developed over, over some time a deeper appreciation and awareness of all that, it's given me an, a deep, deep, deep insight just into my own sense of humanity such that when I work with other people, either professionally or personally, you know, it's not necessarily a job, but, you know, when I'm, when I'm helping someone on their journey, um, the connection that I can make with them because I've actually done a lot of my own dealing with stuff, it has opened me up to, to be so relatively free. I won't say completely free. I don't think that's human or possible. But my, my judgment of them just goes by the by. I can engage with them. My story is not the same as theirs. I will never profess to fully understand another person's experience. But I have some parallels that say I've been through my own version. You hear me use this language a lot. I've been through my version, and I'm still going through my version of your story. If we were walking together for a while, be it a coaching relationship or a therapeutic relationship or just a friendship, then knowing that we both have some stories that are powerful is critical for me. So I've learned to love the stuff in my life that I've hated. I've learned to love the shadow side. Every now and then I go back to hate. And I'm, I'm using two very strong words, but will I change it? No, because it's shown me an insight and given me an awareness that I wouldn't have had today. I couldn't do what I do today the way I do it without those experiences. And I, and I do, and I'll say, I do battle with that from time to time as well. So, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's a coexistence, as you know, the shadow mm. light side, if you want, yin yang. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Having been through the entire journey that you've been through, yeah. What is number one thing that you have learned about yourself? I can take myself to this state. I love myself enough to simply be who I am, even with all the four-letter word stuff I've been through and the stuff I'll probably create in the future. I am actually enough. Something I've learned and I've shared with a lot of people is that, you know, all I have to offer the world, it's not my skills, my training, my experience, it is my experience. It's who I am. Maybe with the, with the framework of some of this, the, the training I've done and the, and the education, but all I have to offer you and anyone else in a work relationship, in a personal relationship, in a romantic relationship, in a friendship, in whatever, is me. That's all I've got, and it's damn well enough. Full stop. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's going to be uh, pretty powerful for a lot of people listening to us because I think that's a realization that uh, a lot of people would come to and need to come to as well. And when you do, I think yeah. a lot of things shift. A lot of things shift. And as I say, it's not a constant state for me. So yeah. I, I don't think I know any human where that's a constant state. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that would be, to be honest. But I, I do know that by by having experienced that state, when I'm out of it, how do I know I'm so out of it? Is because I've actually experienced it, and I just crave getting back to that. And I know that I don't think there's a single person that I connect with who, deep down, don't want to be in that state more often, deeper, and for longer periods of time. 
not forever. You know, we need the shadow and the light. You, you show me something that exists without shadow and light in life and, and you'll show me a fantasy. So we need the enough just as much as we need the out of enough where I am worthless, hopeless, helpless. You fill in your words for your life and everybody else listening fill in your words. And the flip side is enough. Self-love. It's a word that in the corporate world, you know, we wouldn't have dared use. That's exactly <laughs> yes. what it is. Now, I have no hesitation using that. I don't care who the group is. This is about do you love yourself enough to simply allow yourself to be? And then you walk away and you let them ponder that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, okay, before I let you go, I just want to ask you about this because I know you've got this really exciting program coming out. I also want to ask you about the, you know, the group. So I, I won't say anything. I'll let you speak to them about your work. Um, I set up a group by accident, a Facebook group. I, I call Facebook the devil's instrument. You know, I, I, I struggle with it, as you know, as you well know. Um, yep. I set up a, a closed group, oh, what, probably six months ago, six, eight months ago, um, where we're I was offering people just some insight into meditation. And it's evolved a little bit. We've, we've got almost 200 members there. We've done nothing to you know, uh, really advertise and promote it other than just organic growth. Uh, and maybe we will do something with that. It's a closed group where, at the moment, there, there are three things that people can do on it. There's a 30-day meditation challenge on it, so people who want to experience meditation uh, with a few changes in it, my style, you can go and challenge yourself for 30 days. Uh, but we've also been going today, we're up, up to day 146 of going live every morning with a group of whoever wants to tune in. We go live on Facebook. We have a little bit of a chat about how things are going and what meditation does to our brain, to our neurology. So one of the key things with this is that we're using meditation in a short way to connect with self, to connect with presence, also doing a lot of gratitude work within it, which is a heart space. And we're also doing some visualization and intention setting. So we're setting people up with yeah, the, the brain part, the unconscious part of the brain cannot tell the difference between what is real and imagined. And a lot of people don't recognize that. You think about it, though. So we're actually doing all of that in the meditation, then activating it. So why do we do this? We do this because this is where people start to tune into some of their basic beliefs, the stuff we've spent the last probably hour or so talking about. Meditation is one of the, the most ancient of tools um, and practices to help us tune in and rather than be victim of reacting to the stimulus in our world based on our unconscious beliefs, to actually take the time to choose our response. So there's a lot that's going on with people who've been playing with our meditations in Zen Frog and Friends. The group's called Zen Frog and Friends, so um, you can probably put the link there for people. Come along and just join it, join us and have a bit of fun with it. And I don't know what our next iteration will be. One thing that's been interesting, and, and a, a lot of people have really appreciated understanding not only a little bit about meditation, so like I said, we're not gurus, you know, no, no prior experience as a monk is required to join us. <laughs> <laughs> from it. 
Um, you know, we're not monk-like in any way. You know, we just have a bit of fun with it. But a lot of people have really appreciated deepening their understanding of some of the science behind this practice, this, this practice that can almost be a bit ethereal. So a course I'm, I'm running online in about a month's time is called Meditation Deconstructed, where we're literally going to deconstruct and have a look at some of the science behind it. And why this is important is it helps you understand how we have developed a lot of our belief bases. And if we want to shift some of our habits in life, how meditation can be one of the most critical, I, I call it as one of life's essential life skills. I think we now understand so much more about how our, our neurology works, our brain works, to say this is stuff that should be taught in schools, not just meditation, but the science behind it. Understand what is driving how you and I behave. So when you understand it, you've got more information on which to base your next lot of actions about, so how do I want to improve or change so I can have a more fulfilling life, so I can have a, a more purposeful life and make a difference. When I understand what I'm doing in my brain, I've got something to work with. So uh, the next program is Meditation Deconstructed. We're going to pull it apart, and it's a, it's a primer into the science behind what I think is one of the most crucial life skills. I will make sure that I put all the links um, in the show notes so then uh, folks can go and check it out. Yeah. Um, now, um, just be aware before you go on, uh, Zen Frog and Friends, it's completely free. Just You just need to apply to join in, just you know, the usual Facebook. Uh, meditation Deconstructed, um, we, we've made the investment in that fairly cheap so that a lot of people can access it. So you, you, you don't have to take out a second mortgage and bring up all those money <laughs> story, story fears and beliefs. Where else can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, at the moment, we're in the process of, of redoing a whole lot of web presence, but you can certainly find me on Facebook, The Devil's Instrument. Simply go to Laurie Skander and, and you'll, you'll find my business page there. So I guess if you're putting this down, you can spell my name for people. Um, when the website is properly up and running, because the, the current website of our business, which is Aziris Group, is fairly old. So again, it'll be laurieskander.com. And, and that is a, a, a website in progress. Uh, the goal there is to offer people a lot of access to some of the more up-to-date information. By the way, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about with the brain and neurology, um, the research we're talking about is only recent. It's five to eight years old. And there's even new stuff coming out now that is shifting the research of the last five years. It's just fascinating. The more we learn, and if you want to connect with this stuff, I love the science behind our behavior because it helps a lot of people make sense of it and gives you a platform to work with. So lorryscander.com, it's a, it's a website in progress, so please just bear with that, or Laurie Scander, the Facebook page. All right. Well, thank you so much, Laurie, for coming on the show. It was lovely having you and it was a great chat. Lydia, thank you for the opportunity and uh, putting up with my ramblings. I really appreciate <laughs> it. So, for someone who's in their third trimester, not yet, almost. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk more about that. Maybe another session. <laughs> oh, why not? That'd be great. Thank you. 
Well, folks, that is our episode for today. I hope you guys had lots of fun and got lots out of it. As always, go check out the show notes for the podcast. I have mentioned all the key points that we talked about. And also I have put down Laurie's information. And make sure that you go and join Zenfrog and Fence community. I am a part of it and it is so much fun. And it is free, so why not? Just go and join because you would have a great experience with him. When you spend just an hour with him, you would feel the difference. And I speak from experience when I say that. Um, And also, make sure that you sign up for this upcoming Meditation Deconstructed program. That is, again, going to be next level as well. Just get involved somehow because Laurie does a lot of information sessions, a lot of live sessions, periodical one that, you know, he wouldn't even tell you prior in advance because he just loves throwing a lot of stuff out there. So make sure you go and sign up. And again, go check out the show notes. And if you like this episode, just hit a like or share with anyone that you know. And I will catch you next time. So until the next episode, keep at it in your extraordinary journey.